want to welcome all of you again and also uh, those who will be connecting with us uh, online via YouTube later in the week. And uh, speaking of which, uh, if you haven't had a chance, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's simply The Becoming Church. Um, so that way, uh, if you're out or, or couldn't make it one Sunday, you can stay connected with everything that's happening um, here. And so uh, excited about that and also excited to continue uh, in this collection of talks that we've been in. Uh, we kicked it off. It's called Live Big. And we kicked it off having this uh, conversation about what it means uh, to live big, uh, that God hasn't fenced us in, that it's not him that has caused us to live this, us to live this small fist in life, but it's the way that we've chosen to live. And some of us, we've chosen to live inside of the tent, maybe because of complacency or whatever reason. But we talked about how we've got to get outside of the tent to get a vision, to get outside the tent and get with God in order to get a vision for our life. And then last week, uh, we said, okay, well, we have stepped outside of the tent. Now what? <laughs> what do we do now that we're outside of the tent? And we said, look, well, we got out of the tent, but we have to make sure we leave the bad habits and maybe things that we've picked up inside of the tent, in, like leave them inside of the tent. Now that we're out, leave them in, right? So we're out of Egypt. Egypt can't come with us, right? So in other, or other words, we've got to cross over, right? So that's what we talked about last week, the keys to crossing over. And so this week, I'm excited to continue that conversation. And we're going to be coming from Mark chapter 8. I'm going to read uh, verses 22 through 26. So if you've got your copy of God's Word, you can flip with me there or scroll with me there. Or you can just simply look up here because it's going to be on the screen. Y'all ready? Two of you. Awesome. It's going to be a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Mark 8, verse 22, it says this. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Somebody say outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Verse 26, it says, and he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. God, we thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for all that you do. God, we thank you for these next few moments, Lord, that we get to gather around your word together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are faithful to your word. We thank you, God, that your word never returns to you void, but it accomplishes everything that you sent it out to do. And so, Father, we ask this, that you speak to us God, let us be able to hear what it is that you're saying. God, let us be able to see exactly what it is that you're showing us. And we say this, Lord, speak because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Family, if you've been around church for a while, or maybe even if you haven't, or maybe you're kind of new to the faith, or maybe you got some friends just go to church, one of those spaces you can probably be familiar with. But you may have heard this statement, I'm not where I want to be, 
but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Any, any of you heard that? Some of you have said it, right? But it's a statement that reveals that there has been some progress in your life, that you have progressed, that you have moved on. Because it's, it's this train of thought. Like, listen, if you knew me then, this situation would have looked a lot different. I may have laid some hands on you, but not in prayer, not in a spiritual sense, but in a physical sense. <laughs> the statement often is reserved exactly for that person that you felt cut you off in traffic or the person that your coworker in the office that tried to undermine you in the meeting in front of the boss or just someone who simply did you wrong. It's good that you know, you know the new me because the old me. <laughs> Can we be honest on a Sunday morning? Come on. But I love the statement because it's this realization that there has been some progress, that who I was yesterday is not who I am today. Is anybody thankful for progress? Is anybody thankful that God has been moving in your life, that who you were five years ago and ten years ago is not who you are today? And even though you may feel like today you're not where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be, that there has been some progression in your life because we're not called to stay the same we're just simply not we are called to progress but family listen sometimes progression is going to be slow sometimes progression is going to require us to play the long game nobody wants to play the long game we all want it instant we want it right now I know this is true. When I find myself at the microwave and I hit 30 seconds and I open it up at 15, like, boy, it was only 30 seconds, right? We got to play the long game. Some of us can't play 30 seconds. But, you know, this sounds a lot like faith, that in the day-to-day, -day, it doesn't appear like much is happening. It doesn't seem like anything has changed. But when you look back, you can see that, like, yo, I've, I've grown, that I've, I've been progressing, that I can see, like, I would have responded to that differently than I am today, that I have made some progress. And again, a lot of us, we want exponential growth. We want the explosive growth. But can I tell you, oftentimes, our faith grows gradually. That transformation happens gradually. And I believe that's just not the mindset that we need as individual followers of the way of Jesus, but that's the mindset that we're taking as the becoming church, that Jesus is building your life gradually, if you let him. That the becoming church will be built, Jesus will build this church gradually. He's going to do it brick by brick, stone by stone. He will build this church. But listen, it's going to require us to play the long game. And if I sound like a broken record, it's on purpose. So that we can get that embedded in us, ingrained in us, that it is this long game. It is this, this sticking to it mentality that we have. Because this is not about being an overnight success. But instead, it's about having overtime significance. We can all think about the one-hit wonder who we only know them for the one hit. 
But this is about being significant over time, that we want to be significant in this community. We want to be able to make a difference. It's not about saying, yo, here's another church. But no, here is how this church is making a difference and being a part of advancing the kingdom of God in the Huntsville, Madison area. And that is saying for your life personally, that God is saying, listen, it's not about overnight success but it's about doing the same small things consistently over time that will bring transformation in your life. I believe that this church is a miracle in process. I believe that your life is a miracle in process. And listen, where you are today or where you will be tomorrow, family, it will not just happen. But it's going to happen bit by bit. It's going to happen little by little. You know, having three kids, it teaches you a lot. Excuse me, let me say this. Having a kid, (laughs) it teaches you, that's the loudest amen that's going to be said this morning in Jesus' name. (laughs) But having small kids, it teaches you a lot. One of the things that it teaches you is patience. And it was small. I didn't, well, I guess it's true. And just this past week for spring break, uh, we took the kids uh, to the beach. And can I tell you, so before uh, we came up to Huntsville or back up to Huntsville uh, area, we lived in Dothan, Alabama. And Dothan is about an hour and 30 minutes from Destin. And so we would go there on a weekend and just come right back. And so, you know, kids don't have a frame of reference of, like, time. And so... I'm telling you, like, we're literally in Huntsville. We're passing the rocket. Are we there yet? Boy, you see that rocket all the time. What do you mean? Are we there yet? You know we're not there yet. You're just trying to. Patience is what it teaches you. (laughs) But you have to come to the reality that what you hope to see right now will more than likely happen later. That the kids, they don't get it the first time. They don't do it the first time. It actually takes time. It takes repeating the instruction over and over and over again before they get it. Can I tell you that becoming who God desires us to become, it just doesn't happen in an instant. That becoming happens over time. It's gradual that we become. It's gradual that our faith grows. And I love that reality because what it does, it releases this pressure off of you to feel like, well, at 30, I thought life was going to look this way. At 45, I thought I would be here by now. I thought X amount of dollars would be in the 401K. I thought we would have this house. I thought we would be doing this. But can I tell you, becoming who God has called you to become happens gradually. It happens over time. And what happens if we have this idea that either we have projected to ourselves or that society has projected on us, when we haven't met what we thought we were met or what society tells us we should have met, then we decide to go into a hole rather than to keep on living. But becoming is about keep on living, keep on moving, keep on progressing because it is gradual that we become. Oftentimes we compare ourselves to someone's chapter 20 
to our, well, we're just in the introduction. <laughs> we hadn't even gotten on chapter one. Well, we feel like we're supposed to be where they are, but can I tell you that's not how it is. It is this mindset of playing the long game, of small games. And so let's walk through this passage of Scripture in Mark 8, verses 22 through 26. We're going to make some observations around it concerning this idea of small gains. And if you're taking notes, that is the title of the message this morning. It's small gains. And so here in Mark 8, verse 22, uh, Jesus and the disciples, they have just finished up uh, some time of ministry. Actually, really, really cool. Like they uh, fed uh, over 4,000 people. And so they decide to get into the boat. And now in verse 22, they've came to Bethsaida. And some people, they bring this blind man to Jesus and they beg him to touch him. Which leads us right to our first observation this morning, which is this. We don't get there ourselves. Now, I am not a fitness guru. Not at all. Never will be confused for it. But I do enjoy going to the gym. Most of my reasoning for going to the gym is because what I love to do more than going to the gym, and that is to eat. Um, yeah, it's about a balance, you know. Um, and when I first started going to the gym on my own, can I tell you, it was a mess. Like, I literally had no idea what I was doing. I just saw a piece of equipment. I just saw a weight and was like, yo, no one's on that. I need to do that. This is the regimen today. What's available? Yup. We doing legs. We doing chest. We doing tries. We doing back. Like, everything. And so I said, I was like, listen, this is not going to work. So I decided I'm going to train with some friends. And so I got together with some friends. And listen, that changed the game for me. Everything at that point changed. Not necessarily because they knew more than me, but because together, collectively, we were figuring it out, right? We were helping to make it all make sense. Going, going with friends also helped me get stronger. Because when you work out by yourself, it's one thing to get under some weight that you know you can easily toss up. But it's another thing to do that alone and get under some weight that you like, yo, this might be a little bit of a struggle. But when you work out with somebody, and maybe you're on the bench press, you got a spotter. And that spotter is needed because the more weight you want to add, then they are available to help you with your progression in lifting the weight, just in case it gets tough, or just in case things get out of balance, there's a spotter there to help you get back on track. Because the more weight you lift, the more it's going to produce gradual gains. Can I tell you, friends, that just like my spotter was to me, so was the people who brought this blind man to Jesus. That he didn't get there on his own. That I didn't get stronger on my own, but I had some people with me that helped me get to where I needed to be. And listen, some of us, we have had some praying mothers. Do you hear me? Some of us, we've had some praying fathers. We've had some praying grandmothers. Maybe when you were a little kid, you had no idea what she was mumbling under your breath, but she was praying, Lord, protect my baby. Lord, give him or her good godly friends and influences. And so you may, where you are today is not just because of yourself, but it's because of some, some faithful pastors, some faithful leaders, that praying grandmother and grandfather that has been with you along this journey. 
that have cared for you and loved you. Consider Timothy. He comes under the leadership and mentorship of the Apostle Paul. They even co-wrote letters together. And Paul would go on to call Timothy his spiritual son. And Timothy, he goes on to pastor a very uh, significant and influential church in Ephesus, which was a big deal. It was a major city. Or consider Paul himself. He went from killing and persecuting Christians to becoming one. But he is only received well when he is vouched by Barnabas in Acts 9. We don't get there on our own. We do not get there by ourselves. So listen, we all may have great friends, great family members and mentors that have walked with us in different seasons of life and and pray with us and help us get through some things. But the greatest reason that we don't get there on our own family is the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7, we shared this, this scripture last week. But just, this is Jesus. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We need help in this life. We need an advocate in this life. We need the spirit of God to help us navigate this, the, the, the life that we're in. I've heard some people say it's your global positioning system, right, to help us get on track in life. In fact, that word helper, in the Greek it means parakletos, and it means one who is called to your side, one who walks alongside others. Because oftentimes, like, if you just walk in life out on your own and you just kind of go here when you don't really need to go here and you get engaged with something you really shouldn't get engaged with and and now that has caused some trauma, some issues in your life and then you kind of wander this way and you get into something that God didn't call you to and next thing you know you find yourself over here and this starts calling your name and you get back here. But when you have a helper, when you have a, hey, Ian, come here. He doesn't know that I'm doing this. I'm sorry, Ian. I love you. You're the best. But when you have this helper, this guy that walks alongside of you, it's like, so you're going to pull me when I go in a bad direction? You're going to pull me back. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So I, I want to go over here, but see, the Holy Spirit is lining me back up to God's purpose and will. Well, but this kind of looks, no, no, he won't let me go. Okay, so I get it. We need to walk this way. Oh, this is cool. I can't go over here. This, friends, thank you, Ann. This is who the Holy Spirit is. He walks alongside of us. And he leads us to the truth, to God's heart. He reveals the heart of the Father. He's our teacher. He's our guide. And he leads us to all truth. And Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preacher, as he's known, he says this, without the spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind. We are useless. Friends, we need the Holy Spirit. Mark 8, 22, it just doesn't reveal the fact that we don't get there on our own, but it also causes us to stop and ask the question, well, who are we bringing to Jesus? See, a lot of the time we expect people to just have this come to Jesus moment. But the reality is we ought to be bringing people to Jesus. Jesus said this. He said the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost and family. 
That mission has not changed. That is what he's doing today. He is still seeking and saving the lost. And so here's what this means. We have an opportunity to come alongside of what Jesus is already doing by bringing people to Jesus. Oftentimes, as the church, we think it's all about these programs. It's all about these things. But Jesus is like, if you would just connect to what I'm doing already and bring people to me, I'll take care of the rest. You bring people to him by how you love people, by how you care for people, by how you serve your community. Because he's still doing that work. He is still seeking and saving the lost. So we don't have to try to recreate this will or, or, or do all these programs or whatever. Like we can do things, but that is not the thing that is saving them. It's Jesus is. All he is saying is bring them, show, point them to me by the way you live your life. You know, when we serve with I Love My City, we're not doing that so that somebody can come to the Becoming Church. That is the wrong idea of serving, right? We're serving because we're following the example of Jesus. And, and, and here's another thing when we serve. We don't serve with this mindset that we're bringing Jesus into a community. As if Jesus into a community had anything to do with the social economic status, friends. Sometimes it's the ones who have more who need him more because they had this idea that I have got somewhere on my own. Well, listen, you haven't got anywhere on your own, but it has been the grace of God. And so when we connect, when we serve, we're not bringing Jesus to anywhere. Can I tell you, he's already there. That there are some, 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 some men and women in that community that have been holding it up for years. And so we're just coming in to connect with what God is doing already in that space. So when I read scripture, I like to ask questions to see, well, what are you saying in this? And one question I ask of this is, well, did the people who brought this blind man to Jesus, did they go anywhere else? Did they take, take him to other places that didn't yield any results? Sometimes I think that's what we do. We're like, well, let me try a little bit of this. Maybe this will give me what I'm looking for. But friends, there was not going to be any difference in this man's life until he was brought to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the difference maker. And so we can ask ourselves this question. What is it that I'm not taking to the difference maker? What is it that you're trying to fix yourself? Right? What is it that you're trying to do on your own? What is it that you're trying to walk through by yourself? Listen, friends, if you will bring that to the difference maker, you can see a difference made in your life. Small gains, it means bringing everything to Jesus and being willing to embrace the process. So sometimes we don't want to take things to the difference maker because of that process he's going to take us through. And so we figure, well, I'm going to try to do this thing on my own, right? Some of you who are, who are no longer teenagers, right, you know you can relate to that. 
That's what they did in the olden days. This is different. I'm going to figure this out. And then you get to this other point like, man, I wish I just would have, you know. So Jesus is like, you so hard-headed. If you would just bring this thing to me, I can make a difference in this thing. But if not, you're just going to be this hamster on the wheel going round and round and round and looking back and finding yourself in the same place. And then you get inside the tent and then you live a small life. And then you say, this is God. And he said, I didn't fence you in. The smallness that you feel is because where you have placed yourself. He's saying, get outside of that and see this open and expansive life that I'm trying to get you to live. So we got to be willing to embrace the process, which leads us to our next observation, which is to go where Jesus goes. And so in verse 23, he took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. And when he spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? So context is important. When we read the Bible today, we got to understand uh, that when we read the Bible today, we're not under the law, but we're under the new covenant. So Jesus, he, ha- he has fulfilled every requirement that we could not fulfill. But at the time of this situation, that was not the case yet. That was coming, but it wasn't the case yet. He had yet to be crucified and raised to life. So they were still under the law, which means for Jesus to deal with this blind man, or anybody with any kind of issue for that matter, especially as a rabbi, was very risky business. Because in those times, the thought was, well, if you dealt with blindness or any other sickness, it was a result of sin that was in your life. That's why in John 9, 2, uh, the disciples, they asked, they said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So for Jesus to interact with this man, for him to take him by the hand was a big deal to the culture of the day. But I love what this points to. It points to this. Jesus chooses the ones that everyone else rejects. Jesus chooses the ones that others don't want to get close to. Jesus chooses the ones that are maybe a little bit more difficult to love. But it points to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, perish, but have eternal life. You know, a lot of times when we read that scripture, the famous John 3.16 made famous by Tim Tebow. <laughs> a lot of the time when we read it, we hear whoever and we picture someone else. We, we, we see someone else's face when we see that word, whoever, because that's not us. But can I tell you this morning, friends, you are the whoever, that I am the whoever, right? Like it's not this idea that we are in some prestigious place, that we have went to some level of exclusivity, but we are the whoever, the person that people think less of, they also are the whoever. We all are the whoever. So that means we must be willing to go where Jesus goes. It means we must be willing to do the things that Jesus did and continues to do today and lose this mindset of exclusivity. 
This thing is inclusive. For God so loved the world. That's you and me. That's all of us. And that's never determined by anyone's social economic status, by, by their gender. It's not determined by their ethnicity. No, we all are the whoever. So our mission as a church and as Christians should be to help people live closer to God. That's what we must do here in Huntsville, in Madison, in our spheres of influence, uh, on your job, if you're in person or not, if you're not on Teams or Zoom or whatever, right? Our job is to help people live closer to God. And so that leads me to ask this question. Where is Jesus calling you to go? And I'm not talking about a physical location, but I'm talking about spiritually. Where is he calling you to go in your faith? Where is he calling you to go in your love, in your joy? Where is he calling you to go in your generosity? We must be willing to go where Jesus goes. And we must be willing to go there even if it takes us out of our comfort. Because sometimes we have this idea that Jesus wants us to be happy. No, he wants us to be holy. And oftentimes, that's going to cause us to get out of our comfort. In verse 23, it says, he took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? Sometimes I read the text and I get... um, like uh, sarcastic. I'm like, what do you mean do I see anything? You just spit on my face. That's what I see. <laughs> I gave you a little insight to my head. <laughs> but he says, do you see anything? The reality is sometimes, we're going we're gonna to get back to that question. But sometimes we need to get out of our environment. See, Jesus led this man outside the village. He took him outside of the environment. And sometimes that's true for us. We need to change our environment. We need to get out of what seems natural if we're going to experience the supernatural. And this is a plug that I'm shamelessly not, no, unashamedly, there he is, there we are, going to make. Our serve team. That's why you should get on it. But they are doing this right now. I believe they are experiencing this right now because there is nothing natural about coming in here in a French fry smelling cafetorium and transforming it the way that they are. But what it is, it is supernatural that God has divinely put his super on our natural. And it's expanding anything we could do on our own because of his supernatural power. That's why when you came in here, hopefully you didn't smell the french fries. (laughs) It's because of what God is doing when we allow his super to encounter our natural. And so this man got outside of the village this water, that's the power of God. Has <laughs> knocked it out. But he got outside of the village, right? He got outside of his comfort. And it's, it has 
We have to do the same thing so that we can experience where God wants to take us. We must get outside of the village. This is what I'm saying. We must get outside of the village to get alone with the Lord, to get out of what your cousin says, what your sister says, what your brother says. Hold on for a minute. Well, mom and dad says, right, you got to get outside of the village to hear what the Lord is saying to you. See, Jesus wanted to take this man out of everything that he knew so that he could know the one who knew him and saw him at the beginning. Jesus wants you to be introduced to him today. But it's going to take you wanting and being willing to get outside of what makes sense and go where Jesus goes. And so Jesus, he spits on a man's face. And then he goes on to ask him in verse 23, what do you see? But here's the question I think Jesus was saying. He was asking, well, where is your vision? And that's the same question that he's asking you and I today. What's our vision? Because we know this, Proverbs 29 and 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, right? When you lack vision, you lack direction. When you lack vision, you lack clarity. And vision is the ability to see the possibility of what's available. What do you see that's available for your life? What do you see that's available for your marriage? What do you see that's available for your family? You need vision. What do you see, family? But what I have come to realize is that most of us don't have vision. We no longer have vision because we've previously have been wounded. See, when Jesus spit on the man's face and he asked him, well, what do you see? He responded in verse 24 saying, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So this tells us something. Well, this blind man must not have always been blind because obviously he knew what people in trees look like. So then what happened? Perhaps he was wounded. And because he was wounded, he no longer had vision. And some of us, friends, that's us. We have been wounded. We have experienced some deep hurt and some deep pain. And it's happened by people close to us, those that we thought would never be a part of it, people that we put trust in, people that we consider leaders, consider mentors, or, or just maybe it's even decisions that you've made yourself and now you're having to live in some of the consequences of your own decisions. And so where you once had vision, you no longer have vision because you're hurt. Maybe the last two years and all of what it has meant and, and everything else has caused you to become wounded. Some of you may say, listen, the church has even been a part of the wounds that I feel. But can I tell you this? Just because you've been wounded does not mean you can't be healed. It does not mean that you can't be restored. It does not mean we serve a God who makes all things new. That Jesus has been sent to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind family. You can get your vision back. And I'm going to close with this today. In order to be willing to or to be in a place to get our vision back is going to require us to trust the process. 
In verse 25, it says, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I love the part where it says, once more. It means he did it again. Can I tell you, some things are instant, but some things are progressive. So just because you don't see it right away, don't give up. Listen, it said, the scripture says God causes, he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So listen, family, if it's not good, then guess what? He's not done. So don't give up. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Some things are progressive. Now, my wife would attest to this. This will now maybe be the loudest amen in here this morning. But I'm not a handyman. We need freedom from that, man. Shoot. <laughs> it's okay to call that 1-800 number. Hey, bro, come, out, come over here and help me with this. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> That's okay. But it's just not my thing. Again, if it's broken, don't call me. Unless you want me to place the call to the people who can fix it. I'll do that what you need. I'll dial it up. You know, we like to watch shows like Fixer Upper and Property Brothers and all these things. And you see them, they come in, these outdated homes or just dilapidated homes and in the worst conditions. And they renovate them and then they restore them to bring the value up to something crazy. Then they become someone's dream home. Some of us, we kind of feel like that's our condition. Like, oh, man, God, I feel like I'm in the worst condition. I feel like I'm just broken. I need a little bit of help. And friends, listen, you may be wounded. You may be hurt. But can I tell you this, that Jesus came to restore you? He really did. He came to restore you. The word restore, it means to bring to its former state, to restore to its former state. And we see the world today, and we see the condition that it is, but friends, it was not always this way. There was a time where there was no sickness, where there was no pain, there was no hurt or disappointment. A time where Adam walked in the cool of the day with the Lord. Jesus, the last Adam, he came to restore what was lost. He came to restore what was broken. And just because you may have lost your vision, Jesus can restore your vision today. But it's going to go back to what I said earlier. You're going to have to be willing to play the long game. You're going to have to be willing to trust the process. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but they who wait on the Lord, not they who rush the Lord, not they who hurry the Lord, but they who wait on the Lord. Waiting is not weakness. Waiting is strength. It takes strength to say, I'm ready to see this happen, but I'm going to trust and wait on the Lord. I'm ready to move on into this, but I'm going to trust and wait on the Lord. Because when you do, the Lord shall renew your strength. That they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We must trust the process. So the man says, I see people and they look like trees. This reminds me of a story. One of my favorites is in Luke 19. It's about this short tax collector named Zacchaeus that climbed up in a sycamore tree 
to see Jesus. And I don't know why. Maybe he was a chief tax collector. Maybe he wanted to tax him on some miracles. I don't know. But he climbed up in this sycamore tree to see Jesus. And some of us, we may know the story, but after Jesus sees Zacchaeus, he says, listen, Zach, you need to get, I call him Zach, you need to get out of that tree. And I'm going to come over to your house and we're going to hang out today. And family, the Bible tells us that out of that encounter, that Zacchaeus was transformed, that he was changed, that who he was few moments before, he was no longer that person now. The Bible even goes on to say how household transformation came to Zacchaeus' house. So the question is like, how? How did this happen? It was all made possible. Yes, we know this by Jesus, right? But it was made possible because of a tree. The tree gave Zacchaeus a perspective to see Jesus that without it, he would not have. The tree opened the door for life change and transformation. Friends, we are to be trees in the city. That somebody could climb up, if you will, in the tree of our life. And see Jesus in a way that without us, they otherwise would not have. It's not about us changing someone, but it's about us being a tree where they can see Jesus who brings the transformation. But not just in their life, in their household life, in their sphere of influence, simply by being a tree. You may say, how do I be a tree today? That tree was just there. Zacchaeus saw it. It was available, and he climbed up in it. You want to know how to be a tree? Make yourself available. That, God, I'm available for whatever it is that you're calling me to. I'm available to be who you've called me to be. I'm willing to go through the process. I'm willing to play the long game. If it means that I can be a tree, that is made available for somebody to get a perspective of you that without me they wouldn't have. This is why we got to get outside of the tent. Can I tell you, you're an answer prayer to somebody. You really are. Because you could be a tree that allows them to see the hope that they need to see, to see the love that they need to experience family. Small gains is not about what God wants to do in you. It's not only about that. It's not only about what God wants to do in you. But it's about what God wants to do through you today. That he wants to do something in you so that he can do something through you. Amen? And would you pray with me this morning? Lord, here we are. God, we make ourselves available to you. God, help us to get outside of our comfort. Help us to get outside of whatever it is that we know, to get along with you, to experience the supernatural, to experience what you want to do in our lives for what you want to release through our lives. God, that we want to be trees 
God, that we want to give people a perspective of you. God, that without it, they, they wouldn't have. Help us to live that way. Help us to love that way. Help us to serve that way. God, help us to have generosity in that way. God, help us to have faith in that way, to believe in that way, God, to pray in that way, Lord. That through us, people can see you.